0: Hey guys. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of The Soul Sisters Podcast. (laughs) Today, we're gonna be diving into um, some of Amber's more personal experiences with your dad Mm -hmm. and the loss of your dad. And this goes pretty deep for both of us, I think, because it was like, you know, our friendship, we're definitely blossoming at that portion of time and we're in like a very vulnerable place. And then obviously like, the loss of your dad was such a huge impact for literally everything in life Mm -hmm. and so I think it's super important that you talk about it and like obviously like trigger warning like there's a lot of heavy shit that goes into this but I think it's super Mm -hmm. important and healing to talk about it so Amber where would you kind of like to begin
1: yeah so I guess like just starting with a background a little bit like um, again, just to highlight what Christina was kind of saying, we're going to go into a little bit of my experience with like everything that happened with my dad. Um, so again, just anything with like hospitals or any, like there's, there's going to be a lot of trauma talk to say the yeah, least. Yeah,
0: we're into the trauma thing apparently. <laughs> so
1: it's going to be a more heavier episode. And for me on a personal note, it's probably one of the most vulnerable things I could probably have ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, tell the story on a podcast where anybody can listen to it because I've only ever... Ever really shared this with really close people in my life yeah um so bear with me but I do think there's a very healing aspect to this definitely and just like letting it out especially with you I mean mm. I couldn't see myself doing this with pretty much anybody else yeah I get I get it so on that note <laughs> so tell us gonna, about your dad <laughs> yeah we're gonna jump into it so my dad um and I were very very close like growing up. Uh, we like, I think bonded through sports for the most yeah. part, like especially hockey, especially soccer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, since I was young, always wanted me to play hockey. And I remember too, like the figure skates, like I hated them. Yeah. And then I remember I transitioned and tried like hockey skates mm-hmm. and like, I loved it. Mm-hmm. It was like, total was just, like oh, yeah, it was so good. And as soon as I got my first taste of like just hockey, mm-hmm. I just fell in love with the sport. And so I think my dad and I bonded a lot through sports. When did you start hockey? Oh God, I must've been like, I know it was more recent when we had moved here, so I would have been probably like eight. Yeah. Yeah. So I started, um, uh, with just like the plain league and mm-hmm. again, just kind of went from there. And so my family was a very big sports family. So yeah. my sister, she played it too. She played the soccer. Um, and so yeah just like throughout the season like hockey during the winters and even actually I played three on three like hockey in the summers too Mm -hmm. so we were just really big like
0: tournaments hockey familia yeah
1: literally everything and so you know a lot of the times like you know I give that to my family so much credit um, especially my mom and dad because they would wake up at like 6am for my practices and like that's dedication oh god yeah they would not miss a beat so yeah yeah, I, I really give them a lot of props for that because I'm sure it wasn't always easy and um, but yeah, it's I such a bonding
0: experience. Though. It is.
1: It is. And like, again, he was, you know, it was really big for me because I, my thing was like, I always had that feeling to really make him proud. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, I think for me, I really thrived in sports. And so like, I kind of always saw that proud, like that pride in him and yeah. that meant so much to me. And I think like he, he would take me to the, like the schools to like practice my
0: shot and yeah. stuff like that. So <clears throat> yeah, it was just really great in that way. Um, I think like there's so many great memories too to look back on, like during so those, like your youth especially. Like that's something I wish my parents did for me, like something with sports or anything, because like you look back on your life and like some of the fondest memories you have with your family or, like times like that. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. No, it, it totally made my childhood, mm-hmm. and um, I like yeah. I just I always felt like I wasn't a kid that really fit in. So like for 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 that. I am so grateful because that was, like, the one puzzle piece that was really missing for me. Yeah. And I felt very, very, like, in my element when it came to sports. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> And then, same with that, like, my dad and I were also very much into, like, thrifting. Yeah. And, like, garage sales. Oh, so, I remember. <laughs> like, every weekend in the summer, even when we lived back in Toronto, like, mm. we would go religiously. And, like, we'd wake up, me and my dad, like, like, early like as at fuck. fucking, like, 630 am you guys were serious it was like oh, hardcore no. it was like full on like, like yeah like, yeah it was full on you know like those auction hunters like on mm-hmm. tv that was us and because if you can get up because some of the garage sales would start at 7 a.m yeah they were so hardcore if, and you got to go to you go, there's like rich spots that we knew and it's like they always sell their They and cheap, out the they don't, shit. They don't give a shit right yeah. and so we'd go our our routine was we get up and i like i'm fucking bloody tired but i'm like you know what this is so much fun like mm-hmm. it always was the reward and we had a we had a thing. We'd get our purple G two and so Gatorade. Yeah. And then we'd go to Timmy's and get our uh, sausage sandwiches. Oh. Yeah. Our egg sausage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh god, those
0: are so good. Mm-hmm. You probably haven't had one of those in like oh, fucking no, years. Oh, I fucking wish I could.
1: Um <laughs> anyway, yeah. So just a lot of these little things. Same with again, a huge thing was the gaming. Like, yeah. me and my dad were huge gamers. we like especially back in the day, we would play PS2 like probably for like six hours a day. Mm-hmm. And especially when we found a video game like a two-player, we yeah. like go uh, Ghost Recon, yeah, um, Battlefield. What was some of the other ones like? Oh my God! Even the single-player, we would take turns like Ratchet and Clank. Oh yeah, uh, Jack and Dexter. Spiral, like all Total of these, throwback. you know, like he was so into it, and so it we really bonded through that, and just like p- playing those partner games, yeah. it was great. You definitely like
0: got your gamer side from your dad. Oh, for God, sure. yeah. I remember I'd come over and your dad would just be like on the computer, like doing. <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck he was doing. Kate, for, I regret like...
1: it too because I I uh, I showed him World of Warcraft. Yeah, and I, and I remember then... the Christmas I got it for him, and like me and my mom were like, should we? Because he he's like me, where like we get addicted. Yeah, and he was always into like poker and like all these other. I think War of Tanks was one too, but mm-hmm. he got hooked yeah. and it's so funny because he always gave me so much shit for gaming like i was so big on the computer too and mm-hmm. then i'm like dad see this is what you get like Hot now kettle yeah <laughs> like-, I'm like now you're playing for eight hours and i'm like but wow was like
0: such a good game mm-hmm. like
1: it's a whole other world right yeah. so i could relate with him too i could resonate because i'm like i
0: love these games too yeah that's a lot a big part of like how you guys bonded through that yeah. kind of stuff massive yeah. massive so
1: just like things like that but yeah i gotta say like my dad was definitely a very unique soul, like you he was the black sheep of his family Mm -hmm. and that's where i where i really resonate with him and like he just you could tell you could always tell he was well we knew for a fact he was a very big thinker like Mm a like he was very big on uh, you know the shit that's going on in the world and just discovering the truth and just Thinking outside the box, and there's all those letters too that you like in poems and stuff mm, that you found. Yeah, like I have one literally hanging like right hanging right there. there, and it's yeah, he was really poetic. Like he would write my mo- mom like love poems, That's and so like, cute. Even like uh, songs and guitar, like mm-hmm. play it for her. Like such hopeless romantics. Yeah, and again, he was really big on poetry and the one i have on my wall is basically him talking about how like corrupt the world is mm-hmm. and i'm like god i really am
0: your father's daughter <laughs> yeah <laughs> like literally 110 <laughs> like, totally right something we should actually do <laughs> that i just thought of we should definitely look into your like dad's birth chart
1: oh my god why have we not done that yet why have
0: i never thought about <gasps> that until now yeah and it's the full moon tonight oh my
1: god we have to figure that yeah.
0: out yeah yeah definitely okay.
1: So anyway, yeah, like, that's kind of just a brief background. But yeah, he was amazing. He was awesome. Worked really hard way too much. Like, he put too much emphasis on his work. So yeah. I think that, that stress definitely added up to everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm trying to, like, figure out how to make the transition. <laughs> but There's so much
0: so much to your dad and to the connection so that you guys much. had. And it played into so many different aspects of your life. It's hard to even narrow it down into, like, an hour yeah. conversation. No, but no. I definitely think, like, I don't know, looking back on, like... The times that even I got to meet, like hang out with your dad and like spend time and whatever, like that one weekend that we all went to Wasaga. Oh God! Like that weekend was so like. When was that exactly? Was that was that a year before your dad passed? I think it was the summer before. So it would have been the summer of grade ten. Yeah, and I think. Like, that was just, like, such a random, like, let's just go to Wasega to this person's, like, cottage and, like, stay there and whatever. But, like, literally, there's that photo of me and Chantel, your sister, and we're sitting outside of the ice cream shop. And you can see your dad and your mom inside of the ice cream shop, like, getting ice cream or whatever. And it's just so weird because, like, you just take a simple photo and, like, you don't realize the weight those photos are going to hold and it's just like yeah, it's huge and like you look back on certain things and I'm like I only really got like a few years like three years maybe of like really like Mm. seeing your dad and like getting to know him because we started being friends in grade nine and just even in that short span of time I feel like like we just talked about in one of our episodes like even like Nirvana and like Mm-hmm. literally driving to one of your hockey games one time I'm in the back seat and like Nirvana comes on like one of your mixed CDs and like that's when I really like remembered like oh my god like Nirvana's actually really good like I totally forgot <laughs> yeah. about that and so like literally certain things like when I hear a smells like teen spirit I think about your dad totally yeah and there's just like certain weird memories that just like I don't know it's so fucking yeah, they crazy stick. and yeah. like that's the
1: thing too with the music like he got me into like all these classics we must have we have hundreds in the basement mm. and only recently I've like organized them I'm like I gotta do it justice yeah all you your know? CDs and vials but, and like, everything he was always into like classic rock alternative I rock, all of these things. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll never forget the day he actually found a Death Cat for Cutie CD and, like, got it from the garage door, And I was so proud. I was That's like, That's so cute. Oh, Dad, I love you. But, um, yeah, like, he was always into, like, the Eagles, Pink Floyd, Led mm-hmm. Zeppelin, like, all of these amazing. He was so cool. You know? Yeah, he was fucking awesome. Yeah. Like, he was very much in tune with, like, good music. Like, you could tell the way that he resonated with music is the way I did, too, yeah. and so do you. The like, same connection. It's just, like, that soulful kind of, like, feel-good mm-hmm. music. Because, like, as soon as a good song would come on, he was just, like, so into it. And know? I feel like a
0: hit, like, because he was an Aquarius, so I feel like... Aquarius usually are outside-of-the-box thinkers in many ways and are unconventional in the ways that they think and very much about, like... Especially Aquarius men. Especially Aquarius men. I I very much noticed that. And I feel like he was very outside-of-the-box and looking at, like, the outworldly perspective and was very like focused on like what the nature of humankind was yeah
1: yeah and like he would also always ask me very big philosophical questions especially Mm -hmm. when I was very young and I think that's where he kind of like started opening my mind to things Mm -hmm. and I think it was just like again sometimes it's just about those like the presence of somebody you know I remember even like with high school like he'd drive me in that five minute drive like he would just get into a life chat with me and he'd be like yeah, like, you know, you're, you're like me and your mom, like, we're going to grow old and like you got, you better visit us and like, mm-hmm. you're going to take care of us too. Right. Mm-hmm. And like just stuff like that, you know, he really showed me the value of family, of love and like what that really, like, what that, comes, unity like means. what that, yeah, what that really comes down to. And, um, even I just, one more thing before we kind of get into it where I always had to laugh because he was, <laughs> he was one of those people where it's like, Oh, I dreaded ever having to ask him for a question with my homework because like he was a very analytical person, and he couldn't just give me the answer. He had to be like, okay, so this is where mathematics is rooted in. This is, like, the, the theory behind it. This is a you have to get into the whole thing. Like, oh, my God. And so an hour goes by, and I'm in the bathroom, and I'm like, I fucking can't. Like, I'm looking at myself in the mirror, and I'm like, I can't fucking do this. <laughs> and I come out. And so we finally finished answering. And I'm like, Dad, I love you, but like, I have 13 other questions to go. Like,
0: can you just tell me the answer? It took me, answer? like a whole hour for
1: one. Qu- I like, bro, like, we're gonna be here all day. You know? But yeah. anyway, that yeah, was just him, right? He he always wanted me to really understand things, grasp yeah. perspective, which I do like. That's really yeah, cute. Yeah, I do. And I'm like, God, he was so witty. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. So that's kind of like a very oversimplified version of like the relationship that I have with my dad. But yeah. just suffice to say, he was like one of my best friends forever. Will mm-hmm. be and. Like, I, th- I am totally forever changed because of his presence and the way that he um, parented me. Yeah. Like, because even to this day, I'm still learning so many lessons and values, even with him gone. Like, I'm still, I'm realizing things the more older I get. Yeah. And the fundamental value of the words that he said before. A hundred percent. So. It plays into everything. Plays into absolutely everything. Everything is interconnected, you know? So. That's also
0: hard, too, because I feel like you're at the age now where you know big things are happening big life changes and like obviously the absence of your dad it's almost like well what would he say in this moment and how would he react huge. And especially even like with covid like what would he say about all of this and oh my god it's you know been I mean? like
1: really uh, like uh, a question in the back of my mind because i've been so intrigued to know that mm-hmm. and to have those conversations with him yeah. because like It's very, like, you know, I won't talk too much into it, but it's, like, it's very hard when you're, like, when you're, for the most part, surrounded by people who just don't get it, and Mm -hmm. they don't see certain things, they're not really switched on to everything going on, and I know he definitely was the type to be really in tune with, like, the truth, you know? So, uh, yeah, on that note, um, basically, yeah, like, he, I wouldn't say he was ever really ill health, um, but... I think like you know all the years of stress all the years overworking yeah overworking beyond what like he was paid to do um all the years of you know not eating the best diet Mm -hmm.
0: um
1: like just all of these things kind of added into it and And he also hated
0: going to the doctor
1: yeah he had like definitely a complex about visiting the doctors (laughs) which obviously bit him in the ass and like that it's hard to because I kind of obviously have a complex now with doctors and like the medical system too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I do definitely think there's a time and place, but I think I still just, in all honesty, like definitely have a lot of bit- bitterness still about that. Definitely. Um, how could you I, not? Well, they let me down, they let my family down, they let my dad down Yeah. and that's truly how I feel. Right. Mm-hmm. So long story short, um, basically, so this would have been grade 11, um
0: 2013.
1: Yeah. So we were finishing off grade eleven. This was like um a couple of weeks before exams. Yeah. Um and again, like life was as normal as it could be when you're a depressed teenager. Yeah. Like yep. fuck. Just pure teenage. Like we were just going through the ringer ourselves. And um I remember one night basically. It was weird because, like, my dad didn't really get sick. Mm -hmm. And, like, he also was... He had a really high pain threshold. And, like, even when he was sick or down, like, he just wouldn't show it. Mm -hmm. He wasn't the type to show it. And I remember one night, I think I was getting actually back from um, hockey. Must have been a practice. And I remember coming back and, like, I think my grandma had called us and was like, yeah, dad's not doing so good. Like, he's, like, heaving. Like, maybe it's food poisoning. We don't really know. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's weird because, like... He just never got sick in that way. And so we come home and I remember seeing him and, like, it looked like food poisoning. Like, he looked, like, really flushed and he was kind of, like, heaving over the toilet. And, like, you could tell he didn't really know what was going on. Like, he was just, like, in a lot of stomach pain. Yeah. And... So, yeah, we didn't really have any idea of, like, what was actually going on, but we just assumed it was probably something he ate. Right. And then at which point, I think he finally, like, you could just see it in his face. Like, he was just in a lot of pain. Yeah. Like, more than I've ever seen him.
0: And, like, he also didn't probably want to admit that he was really in that no, much pain.
1: No, no. He never wanted to, like, show that side to worry us, right? So, I do remember that night, um, we actually did end up calling the ambulance, because, like, there was no way he could even, like, make it, like, like walk mm-hmm. properly. Um... So I remember, like, this eerie feeling of, like, you know, seeing the ambulance pull up to my house, and it was just, like, the strangest feeling and, like, of uncertainty. Yeah. Even though at the time I was, like, you know, it it can't be horrible. Like, we've all had our experiences, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I remember, like, you know, my mom went in the ambulance with him, and she was, like, oh, don't worry, like, just stay here. At which point me and my sister, we ended up going on like a cruise that night. We like went down the country roads and I had this, the weirdest premonition. And I, I hate to admit it now, but like I really did. And I never would have admitted it at the time. Yeah. But I remember vividly driving down the road. It just felt so weird. And this energy came over me. And I remember we were listening to little black submarines by the black keys and like just you know at the part where the the chorus goes and like um it's like the the intense guitar mm-hmm. electric guitar goes and you know we're just being down the 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 road and I have this vision in my head where it's like like a thought like what if he dies mm-hmm. what if he died and I'm like no 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 like right away I like blocked it out like, cause I'm, like, I'm like I'm that. like I'm like there could not be a fucking potential for anything like that to happen in my life yeah. there's no way. Um, but I still remember to this day, like, having that thought and being like, what would life be like? Mm-hmm. It'd be entirely altered. And I'm like, no, it it, it can't be. That it. could like, never happen. You know, God wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, long story short, basically, we soon find out that he has pancreatitis, which is basically like the inflammation of the pancreas. Mm-hmm. And so um, for the most part, like, it's, e- it's either one of two things. It's either, like, more of, like, an alcohol abuse um, type situation mm-hmm. or it's usually, like... Uh, food related, right? Which I I think d- does play into the stress as well. Mm-hmm. And so again, the whole idea was, you know, he was very inflamed, and I guess what we we would call it um a pain attack, um because that's kind of what they were. We didn't really understand to the degree. Um, But we soon found out that basically, yeah, like every time he would eat something bad or something that didn't work well with his body, like it would really like just cause that much more pain in his body and like cause his pancreas to inflame. Right. And again, after visits and stuff, we realized that basically he was waiting to get a surgery um, to like basically help heal and fix his pancreas. Mm -hmm. Um, But we had to wait because like there was, First off, there's a lot of inflammation, but also pancreatitis. Like, there was he had gallstones, and they basically were like stuck in a certain like pancreatic duct or something like that. Yeah, and so because of that, that's obviously what led to the inflammation. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was in the hospital actually a couple of weeks because he had returned. Um, a couple days after, and then he had another pain attack, and so we literally called the, the ambulance again. Yeah, he had to go back, and again at the time too, I was still in school. Like we were in exam period. It was so grade for eleven. Me, yeah, yeah, like it was a busy time. I didn't think much of it. Like, and again, goes back to the fact that like, I just my mind wasn't on that my life was about to change forever and that I was going to experience the worst trauma of my life. It was on, Oh, well shit, it's summer. And like, I'm bummed out that like, you know, my dad isn't here to experience all these things Mm -hmm. because I vividly remember hearing, for my mom, like I was waiting for the bus to school, and she had called me, and she's like, "I have some bad news." She's like, "You know, obviously we thought Dad would be out like in a couple of weeks, but actually, like he's the doctor said he has to stay here in the summer." Yeah, and I was really upset. Oh, I remember. You know? And like, yeah. what honestly made me more sad was that she told me like how like Dad was really upset about it, mm-hmm. and like my Dad wasn't the type to like show him much emotions. Yeah, I think the only times I've ever actually seen him cry was like when it, his dad died and like this, I guess. Yeah. And so for me, it was. It was really hard for me to hear like, because obviously he was really upset and I knew that he really was just upset because he was missing out on like stuff with us. Yeah. Like my, th- my thing was, oh man, I'm not gonna be able to like go garage
0: dealing, yeah. He's not gonna see my
1: games. Um, you know, and at the time I had gotten my G2 and I remember I'd gone to the hospital and I had told him that. Yeah. Um, it was hard though, because again, being, the kid, being a kid and like being who I was, I didn't think much of it. So like in hindsight, I definitely should have spent more time But i didn't know i had limited time you know i didn't know that he had a ticking time bomb Mm -hmm. and so i think like at the time especially dealing with exams and everything i just didn't think much of it i was like oh he's gonna be home in no time yeah and obviously we were wrong because the doctors gave us a lot of misinformation yeah um oakville hospital did not do their fucking job so fucked up and so like again my whole like understanding was oh well dad's gonna be in here for quite some time but he'll come out at the end of the summer Life will go back to normal. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. But we soon realized, obviously, you know, it wasn't just going to be that he would last. Well, he didn't actually even last the summer, right? Because, uh, you know, it, everything seemed to be, like, really steady. And then...
0: Because there was a portion that he came home for one night, right? Yeah, there
1: was a portion where... Yeah, and I remember vividly again. So he came home again. And then um, at this point, me and my mom were... I think I was, like, doing tryouts for, like, the Milton, like like rep hockey leave so i was like i was really fixated on that yeah um because i remember coming home and i was like oh i can't wait to tell dad whatever and then i get i look at my phone and i it says grams like my grandma and she's calling me and i'm like starting to like get because every time now like we were every time the phone rang you know because we're like oh fuck what happened now yeah and so as soon as i saw that i had like a drop in my stomach and Grand, my grandma calls and she's like yeah so mike's not doing good like i'm gonna call the ambulance we're like oh fuck and so as soon as we get home basically yeah, we had to call the ambulance again, and I just remember, like, seeing him, because at this point, he hadn't really been eating, like, so he was, like, so skinny, yeah. and, like, he, I just remember him wearing, like, these pajamas that we had bought him, and, like, this road, robe, and he was, like, <sighs> I just remember looking at, like, he was trying to, like, make his way down, like, the railing, like, on our stairs, and, like, you could just tell, like, he was just so frail, mm-hmm. and, like, so in pain, and just so, like, uncomfortable. Yeah. And, like, I just felt so bad, because I didn't know how to help him, you Yeah. Know? And so um again he went back to the hospital and I. when is it that
0: you saw him on the swing was that that night that he
1: yeah so actually i'm glad you brought that up because that was like one of my like one of a beautiful moment so like 24 hours before that like when he finally got home i remember there was like a point um where we had like this old swing in the backyard and i remember like i was just doing my own thing like in the kitchen and i noticed that he was out there and It was just, like, I wrote about it because it was, like, one of those really, like, beautiful moments that, like, you forever have in your memory where, like, he was just sitting there and, like, obviously it was spring, so it was nice out. And he was just in his, like, robe and everything, right? Because, I mean, God, he couldn't even, like, change himself, right? Like, he was in so much pain. But he was just kind of swinging and, like, you could just, there was something that, like, overcame him. Because for the last couple of weeks, it was, like, he was just very much, like, flushed and and you could just tell how exhausted he was from the drugs and the pain. And, like, you could just, he was gaunt, you know? um but in that moment like i just remember looking out at the window and like he just had like this kind of calmness and this kind of like serenity over his face and like it just it was like this subtle but like knowing of you know he was so just glad to be like back at home with his family and just like you could just tell he felt like a sense of relief Mm -hmm. and i remember that very vividly and like it just really resonated with me and again it's that's where like you know upon reflection like I learned so much just from like even the nonverbal, right so
0: it was it was really bittersweet and that was one of the last memories of him being at home yeah
1: that was pretty much it yeah and because
0: the next day is when you guys have to call 911 again yeah
1: yeah and so basically again I don't really know the time frame of this but within the next couple days I remember um I (laughs) I remember I was still in my very, very big introverted phase. So I was, like, upstairs in my bedroom, like, the one we're in now. And um, I was watching, like, a VHS uh, cassette movie. Like, I was watching Days and Confuse And I made my, like, infamous cookies.
0: They were so good. So bomb.
1: Um, and, like, they were half eaten. And then I just remember, like, oh, still, like, gets me, obviously. Mm. But um, I remember, like, just hearing... Um, my sister like coming through like a fucking storm like yelling and at the time my my grandma was here and my granny so my dad's mom was like staying with us for a couple days to just like visit it made it easier and i remember my sister came through and was just like yelling at us like everybody like because it was like 10 p.m at this Mm -hmm. point it was like later at night and my sister was like yelling and she's like everybody like get out of your rooms like we gotta go to the hospital it's dad kind of thing and like when i heard that like i still it still like sends me shivers i'm like that's just like, Oh, like you don't want to fucking ever hear those words, you know? And I didn't know what was going on at this point. Like no one really knew. And so I think my mom had sent me my, or called my sister or something. And like, my sister wouldn't really say what was going on. Like, mm-hmm. cause everybody was like rushing around and flustered. Yeah. All I remember is that I think Chantel was like, we ended up getting in the car. Chantel was driving. Um, and I think my grandma was, my grandmother was in the front and I was in the back with my granny and it was kind of, like, just silent. Like, mm. none of us knew what the fuck was going on. And, like, none of us wanted to say anything either. Because it's, like, you don't, don't want to jinx it. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, I just remember, like, not knowing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, basically, we got to the hospital, still not knowing what was happening. and But we did find out that my dad was in the ICU. Which, obviously, like, <laughs> it's bad news bearers yeah. if anybody is in the fucking ICU. Holy and fuck. I remember they placed us in this, like, room. And it was, like, a long room with a long table mm-hmm. and dim lights it was very really comfortable like make it like as a depressing long, as possible yeah a long desk with like a bunch of chairs and there was like a clock and i just remember like oh my god this is a fucking movie like yeah. this is a fucking horror movie yeah. i'm literally in like my worst nightmare ever mm-hmm. and we had some fr- like we had some family and then like even throughout like some time our friends came not for our friends like my mom's like two friends my dad's friends um and then i think even my sister's boyfriend at the time that was Like, so it was like a couple, a group of us. Mm -hmm. And I, I just remember like looking at the clock and just like seeing it tick and it was like, Life was just in slow motion. Yeah. And it's so funny because, like, I've always had these, like, little tics, um, like, play with my hair or something when I'm nervous. And the one thing I never, like, I always hated doing was, like, taking off the nail polish on my nails. Mm-hmm. But, like, certain women, like, love it. Yeah. And for me, I hate it. I always, it felt like nails on a chalkboard. Yeah. But I can vividly remember that, like, I couldn't focus, like, there was nothing I could focus on. And so I took off all my nail polish on my nails because it was, like, the only thing I could fixate myself on. Mm -hmm. Other than, like, the fact that I was literally going to have, like, a fucking panic attack. Yeah. And um, so it was just a lot of, like, mumbo-jumbo.
0: I couldn't really, like, ground myself at all because I was, like... You're just so overwhelmed. You don't know what the fuck is going on. Like, at that point, had the doctors even talked to you guys? Not really. Like,
1: we still didn't... Because they didn't actually know what was going on either. Like, they just... Nobody said, knew like, what was happening. Yeah, and that's
0: the thing. Like, because it
1: wasn't, like, on the surface, right? So, like, they just were... Like, they were like, you know, he's under testing right now. Like, there's a surgery. Like, we're trying to figure out what has gone on. Like, obviously, we know it's another pain at- attack. I do remember my mom saying, um, it's just one of the worst pain attacks he's had. Oh. So, we didn't know what that was. Because, again, like, on an anatomy level, we don't even know what that even means. Yeah. We just know... That it's not good. pancreas inflamed. We're waiting for it to not be inflamed so he can do the surgery. Mm -hmm. But in that time frame, something fucking went to shit.
0: Yeah.
1: And not to mention, we look at, like, the food um, that people are being fed at hospitals is is such a disgrace. Yeah, it's literally (laughs) disgusting. People's healing, it's just disgusting. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, basically, what happened was, well, again, before we even know what happened, I do remember... We're all just kind of sitting around, like trying to understand what had happened. Asking my mom questions. She's like, "No, like he was fine. He was fine one minute. And then he was. And then out. he's like, we were just talking. And then I think, I think actually, my mom said like he kind of looked at my mom and he goes like, Dan. and like with his like eyes like kind of widen. Yeah. And then like he really started being in pain. And I think that was like it's crazy. It's crazy to think about because I was like probably the last thing he said. Yeah. And then, yeah, so I guess at that point, obviously, my mom got the doctors and and everyone. And so what we later found out through like the first surgery was that um, actually, you know what, to be fair, we actually didn't find this out until like way later down the line. Mm -hmm. But just to basically make sense of it all, what we then like what we found out in the aftermath was that in the process of waiting for his pancreas, like for the inflammation to go down, go down. Um, what they didn't realize, and I still to this day for the fucking life of me, don't understand how this could even happen. But in the period of that waiting, um, there was a, like behind where they couldn't obviously see even like through the scans was that his pancreas had begun to erode. And they and didn't see that. I still don't understand how they didn't see that. So they obviously didn't check properly. Um, Good. and hm. so yeah, right. Like wow. It just, wow. And so again, what had happened was because of this, um, erosion, it ha- had actually started eroding a major artery. And so I think <laughs> in that moment, obviously what we later found out was that the artery had burst. And I mean, I don't, I don't know much about bodies in that sense and like arteries and, and stuff like that. But obviously the number one thing is like to, to, to figure out how to like stop the blood. Yeah. Right. And So, obviously, I think they didn't understand how to do it because in the Oakville hospital, like, we basically, to basically break it down, like, we were sitting in the room and I remember the first state of shock that, like, that was the first state of shock I've ever been in in my life. And this wasn't even when he passed away. But I remember, like, I was kind of blocking out everything everybody was saying because I was, like, just trying to, like, stay calm. Yeah. You know, I remember I made a post on, like, Facebook when I had it. And I was like, guys, please, please put your energy, please pray for my dad. Well, you texted me that night, and I was
0: literally walking to uh, one of my, like, one of our friends' houses around the corner from me. And you, like, I remember you BBM'd me, and you were like, like, please pray for my dad. Like, it's not looking good. And I just remember looking at my phone. I'm literally listening to Blink 182. And I'm walking to my friends, and I'm reading this text, and I'm like, "Oh no, what's happening?" And mm-hmm. I was like, Ooh. "Like, I literally just like at that point, I feel like that's when dis- the disassociation in our life began. got so real, man. Yeah, got
1: so real." And so yeah, like again, I wasn't really focusing on anything, and I remember like they kind of came in and to give us an update, and they said all this shit that again, I, I kind of blocked sense. out. But the one thing that I didn't block out was, you know, they were like, blah, 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 he, like he's at this point. But we do want to let you guys know that we lost him for a couple minutes. And I like <laughs> I think I like fell off my chair. Like I was just like, what, what the what, fuck? What does that mean? My brain isn't fucking like functioning. I don't understand what that means. How, how do you how do you lose someone for a couple minutes? And like that kind of like th- just like threw a switch in me. And, yeah. like, I was just freaking the fuck out. And I think at that point, basically, they said, they're like, you guys have two options. You can either leave him here and he's going to die or you can um, get an ambulance and bring him to the Toronto General Hospital. But he may die in the way. Well, and I was like, well, fuck, like
0: what kind of we options really have that?
1: good options? Uh, like, you know what I mean? And it was really hard because so at this point we hadn't seen him. Yeah. And I was fucking terrified because I'm like, I don't even know what I'm walking into. I don't know yeah. what he's going to look like. I don't know anything. Um, I won't go too vivid on <laughs> the imagery because it's still hard for me to really talk about. But basically, like, you know, obviously we wanted to see him. We wanted to give him that support. But it's just like the strangest thing because I remember very vividly. Like, OK, so well, again, I'm not going to give it the full details because it's really fucked up. But like obviously, because his artery had eroded, like, his body was filling out with blood, and, like, mm-hmm. just, I, you know, everything, like, his, it, everything was very puffy, and, yeah. like, his whole body was, like, super puffy and inflamed, um, and, like, there's all these tubes, and that's all I really, like, I remember a lot, but yeah. I'll say that much, and I remember, like, we went on either side and, like, held his hand, and, um, I, like, for me, and bear with me, guys, like, this is, like, so fucking hard, Yeah, but, I just, you know, we've been wanting to, like, you know, I've been wanting to share this for, like, a
0: long time. I just feel like, I just, like, get it out of my body, you yeah. know? because your trauma is very much, like, repressed within you, and it's, this is not easy to talk about, and I feel like we've talked about it so many times throughout the years, but almost, it's almost like every time we talk about it, like, something new comes up that we forgot about, yeah. or you forgot about, or whatever it might be. So, it's a lot, so just be patient with yourself. No, 100%.
1: Um, but I, I remember vividly, like, we were, like, trying to, like, soothe my dad and like talk to him and like we were kind of asking like his opinion not that he was responsive like he could not like really respond at all um but we would say things like you know what do you want to do dad like and it's hard because at the end of the day like it was his choice but we we had to kind of make it for him Mm -hmm. and he was a fighter he always was he was a very strong man and like we just we couldn't like i mean the odds are like we had worse odds if we left him there. Yeah, and we couldn't 100%. do that. We no. had to fucking fight. Yeah. And I just remember, though, like, I was so much in denial. I think Chantel, like, obviously she was older, so she kind of, I think, could wrap her head around, like, really what was going to happen. Because mm-hmm. I think at that, that point, it was pretty bad. Yeah. You know, like, he was already, like, very pale.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But... <sighs> So I remember like telling him, I'm like, no, Dad, like it's fine. Like when we get out, we're gonna go garage sale. I'm gonna go to sushi. And then on on his fucking other ear, Chantal's going, Dad, if you need to let go, you can let go.
0: Holy. And fuck. I'm just like,
1: Chantal, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Like, why are you saying this? Yeah. Um, because I couldn't like let I couldn't for you can't even second, accept that reality. Allow my thoughts to go there. Yeah, because I wouldn't have been able to contain myself. Mm-hmm. And I just like. Yeah, I don't know. It was a very interesting experience, and so basically, long story short, once everything kind of got set in place, we we figured out like the ambulance, and we got him. Like basically, he made it to the hospital, so that was the really Toronto good. General, that was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at that point, like it would have been like two in the morning at this point. Yeah, with everything said and done, because they kind
0: of had to wait for him to be like slightly stable, mm-hmm. right? So you guys went to the like Toronto, uh, Toronto General at like 2 a.m. You guys got there and then you guys stayed there all night.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I at what point did you come?
0: I came the next morning. So I remember because you had been texting me, kind of like updating me. And then I told my mom about what was happening. She said, okay, we're going to go in the morning. And I didn't honestly, like, expect her to react like that. Because even in my brain, what you were saying didn't didn't make sense to me. Mm. So I was like, oh, no, he's going to be fine. Like, yeah, it might be bad. No, but right that's the thing, though.
1: We, you and me we were convinced. We said that, though. Yeah.
0: Like, we would, even, like,
1: in the hospital when you finally got there in the morning. I remember you brought me, like, <laughs> a bunch of stuff. And, like, bless you and your mom for that. But I remember, like, so at that point... He had gone through like two other surgeries. Yeah, and they were like, no, like it's all looking good. Like it's you they know? were
0: acting like and talking about it like you know there was progress being made and yeah. like yeah and, like you know in hindsight it's like fuck like it was actually getting worse. Yeah, and I
1: think that's for me where it's like it was really hard because it's like they gave it they gave us such false hope mm-hmm. and it just made the damage that much more like incomprehensible. Yeah, and so I do remember like sitting there with you. And having conversations where... Like, well, who we were, was like, even there
0: that day? It was like... So,
1: at that point, um, my dad's, like, siblings came. Mm-hmm. It was my two grandmothers, um, my, mom's, my mom and dad's friends, um, you.
0: My mom and my brother. Yeah, and your brother uh, and your mom. And... And Chantel's boyfriend.
1: Yes. And I think that was, like, the gist of yeah. mistaken.
0: But I remember we were all sitting in the waiting room and we were talking. And, and... I think my uncle... Yeah, there was a, quite a few people there, but I remember we were sitting and talking and then I don't know if it was a doctor or a nurse or someone who came in the room, but they were, like, pretty much saying, like, you guys need to come with us. Yeah. So, like, literally, I remember Chantel, like, fucking out of her chair, like, sprung up. Yeah. And you guys literally, like, ran out of the room yeah. with this, like, n- this see, doctor. The,
1: that's the thing that really killed me. It's, like, I already knew the truth before they, like, spoke it because – and that <laughs> denial is, wow, it's a strong thing because – so they came out twice and they were like okay like here's the update you know the surgery went well blah 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 um but see again it sucks because like we never really know what goes on behind closed doors yeah maybe they fucked up maybe they did something and they didn't say anything Yeah. cover their asses like all of these things have run through my head Mm -hmm. like for so many years yeah and you know we're never gonna know the full truth because we weren't in that room Mm -hmm. and that i think is like kind of like what always like will bite me in the ass
0: um but haunting thought
1: yeah. But, um, I think that the moment where I really knew, but I didn't want to accept it was where basically like the second time they came out, they like had given us that good news. We were like, thank fuck.
0: Yeah. And
1: then like, you know, they were coming out every like uh hour to two hours. So like we knew the next time they would come out would be like another time had mm-hmm. gone by, but they had like another, like one of the surgeons, um, or like, I think it was one of her helpers. They had come out within like the next like 15 minutes and I was, like, that's really fast to give us another update. And so, basically, like, they were just saying, oh, yeah, like, the immediate family needs to come with us. And I'm, like, I don't like the sounds of that, yeah. you know? And so, I just remember, like, it's just so weird because, like, telling a story, I've told it many times. And something always comes up for, for me in different ways. Mm-hmm. I don't, like, I can never predict how I'll feel. Yeah, But... I remember just, like, looking down, like, this long hallway and just, like, thinking to myself, like, this is a dream. This isn't real life. Yeah. Like, this could not be my life. This could not be happening right now. I was just, like, a student. I just finished my exams. Summer was going to come. And, life like, was supposed you know, to be normal. Life was going to be normal. Like, two weeks before that, you and me had gone to the drive-in with my dad. And yeah. It was just, like, so normal. You and know? I called
0: someone the C word in front of your dad. Yeah. And, like, it was really ox, but, like, yeah. it was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know? And so, basically, long, true, short, like, I remember they took us into this room it was dimly lit. I remember it had, like, posters on the wall. It had, like, this art, this these sticker arts on the wall. And I remember because I had ripped them off at mm-hmm. some point. But um, I just remember I, I, I knew in that moment because I also looked in the surgeon's eyes. It was, she was a woman with, like, um, another man. And you could just tell they didn't really want to look us in the eyes. And you could also tell I looked at her face. I looked at her eyes, and it looked like she was crying. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, like, that was basically the moment, you know, when they told us that my dad passed. And... Like, it's, it's never going to be easy to talk about. It's never going to be, you know, like even now, like I'm having serious responses to having this conversation, but like, it's super bittersweet because Mm -hmm. as hard as it is, it's one of the most fucked up, most difficult experiences I've ever and ever will encounter. I can guarantee it. Like at the same time, it completely opened me up Mm -hmm. and it like shattered me and it wrecked me but it also made me understand things I would never understand had I not experienced the worst moment of my life you know and so yeah like we we couldn't really comprehend it you know it was me my sister my two grandmothers and my mom in the room like we couldn't it didn't it didn't make sense yeah and like granted my parents were you know they did the best they could but like they very much like kept us in like um this, like, safety net of, like, not really understanding what death was. They always want, wanted to protect us from mm-hmm. it. And I love them for that. But it made it, like, it just, this whole concept just, like, came right to the forefront when that happened. Yep. And for me, it was, like, I couldn't even comprehend it. Like, because at that moment, like, I, first off, like, I lost my shit. Like, I ruined, like, the entire room.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: uh, I also, in that very moment, I, I I was, like, I need to see Christina. I needed to see you I so wait when you were
0: in that room and they told you that he had passed did you see him did they allow you to see he they allowed you to see him right i i believe
1: i saw you first because yeah I, oh my god it's like so weird how it's coming back in like
0: ways that i like totally forgot because yeah because i'm even having some trouble like remembering. Yeah, the so timeline. basically
1: i had i saw you first before i saw him oh really yeah, because I couldn't do because it. Because
0: I remember when that nurse brought me to the that room. So that was the room they actually told you that he passed.
1: Yeah. So I basically stepped out of the room and I was screaming. Like literally, everybody in the hospital was like opening their doors and like looking out what the fuck was going on. Yeah. Like pure chaos. Yeah. But I, I, my body, like I could not, like my the reaction, grief is overwhelming. I was just like, yeah, and so basically yeah i i just remember thinking i'm like i don't know what's going on but i need christina to be here right now and so i remember i came out of the door and like um like one of the i guess nurses went went to like go and fucking run and get you yeah and then i think i know i had two nurses holding me up and Mm. then and like when you turned the corner i it was like it was weird because it's like in that moment i i fell i collapsed because i just like seeing you it almost like made it more real yeah because, like, you were... You brought, right now, you, I'm going
0: to cry. Like, why are you doing oh this? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh no, but it's, like, God. you've always
1: been very grounding.
0: Yeah. So. No, now we're crying. <laughs> oh, my
1: God. Like, we have told you guys we're going to go so deep on this. Fuck. Like, we've already had to pause it so many times, but <sighs> at the same time, like, we always promise to be real with each other yeah. and with other people. And, like, you, like, again, our lives have always been very ungrounding. Yeah. And one of the most grounding things in my life like since day one has been you in our Mm -hmm. relationship and so for me i think like in that moment that really was what it was like because as much as i was in denial when i saw you i'm like everything kind of like got real Mm -hmm. and then like i'm like wow i'm literally telling like my best friend of my life like that i just experienced the worst loss of my life (laughs) you know and that's
0: like something that you can't even wrap your head around like no i remember because i was Wait, like waiting with my mom and, and and I don't I don't even remember who else was there, or whatever. And then your sister's like boyfriend at the time, and this lady I'll never forget what she looks like, like mm-hmm. her face will be ingrained in my brain forever. Yeah. And like she had glasses and like just she like I remember hearing my name. It was like an angel was calling my name and I didn't know where it was coming from. And I just hear like Christina, like is there a Christina here? Like blah blah. blah. And I was like, oh, like me. But I was like, why are you asking for me? Mm -hmm. Like, I was very, like, the whole thing was just so confusing. It just, like, I don't know, especially, like, we're 16 years old. Like, how does your mind comprehend You don't. You can't comprehend something like this. Like, this is just beyond your your, your grasp. And so she was calling my name, and I was like, oh, hi. Like, so she, like, was like, asked me to come with her. And then we leave, like, that waiting room area and we go out into the hallway. And the way that she was talking to me was, like, I knew what had happened, but I had no idea. Yeah, you like, already
1: said that. And
0: it just doesn't, didn't make sense. And like, no,
1: and I, I don't, I think at that point, like the doctors or even my family had not made it to where you guys were sitting. Yeah. So
0: like no one knew. No one news. knew. So the way that she was talking about it was like pretty, I don't even remember honestly what she said to me. All I know is I, I said to her, oh, but like, did he make it out of surgery? Like, is he okay? Oh my God. And she looked at me and just like looked at me and i looked at her and then i just like i just didn't even have words for her and she was like like no he didn't make it and i i literally just like remember looking at her face and then looking away and I kept walking, literally did not say a single word. And I kept walking and then I turned that corner and I see you at the end of the hallway. And I literally, to this day, that is the one moment I think in both of our lives that we literally felt like we were, we just entered the matrix. Yeah. Like literally that was a feeling. Like, or we
1: exited it. Like, I don't honestly, even know
0: like, what level. Just a level? next
1: level fucking realm. Like we yeah. exited any comfort that yeah. we had ever experienced. Like our whole
0: life in that Childhood, moment. Childhood gone. Gone, everything has gone. gone. Like yeah. I remember seeing you and those nurses were, I can't, was it the nurses or was it your mom? I don't even remember. I don't remember. Even know who was fucking holding me. Yeah, but you were literally like two people were beside you holding you up. I saw you, you saw me. We just stood there and stared at each other for like three seconds. You fell to the ground. I don't even know how I got to you. I literally don't remember moving. Like I mm-hmm. just the even like that whole thing was just like a fucking nightmare. And then somehow you got to you were right beside me. I don't remember how you got to me. And we were by that room that we ended they up going put us into. In that room. They literally put us in that room. And all I remember is your mom saying to me, like, "Christina, you need to be there for her. Like, Christina, you need to be here." And I was like, "Okay." I was like, "Okay, okay, okay." Like that's my job right now. Like, okay. Yeah. And like literally, we go into that room and. I don't even know bro i remember
1: you telling me though like in past stories where or in past conversations where you said you're like it didn't hit me until i think i said something or yeah
0: it was you said something w- wasn't it when i was in denial I said yeah something? you when you were literally sitting there in denial because at that point you weren't even crying like you were like literally just talking to me but just with such anger because like obviously like, your body doesn't even know how to react yet at this point mm-hmm. you're going back and forth in and out of your emotion and you had said to me that you're like christina like we we're supposed to go garage sailing the next weekend like we were gonna go like as soon as he got better mm-hmm. we were gonna go and like, what about my hockey games? And I think as soon as you said your hockey games, I was like, oh my God, like he actually died. Like yeah. literally. And I was like, wait, what? And then I remember you just lost it. I lost it. Like it was just such an emotional, like that was just so much. And you were literally ripping the shit off the walls. Like I remember like just that. Well, that's the thing though, because she, I don't,
1: the social worker that was there, like, you know, again, I can't even imagine how it would be like to deal to be with that someone job. Like, in my position. But like. I just think it was poorly handled and I remember I like, she gave me the water and I'm like I just like threw it because I'm yeah. like I just I don't know what to do right now but but please leave me alone like I just need to be with
0: like, I just kind of thought it was interesting that right away like the social workers like first initial thing was like we have uh, resources for help for this yeah. help. like I don't want to fucking accept that this just happened to me can you yeah. give me a minute to breathe I don't
1: fucking want to think about talking to anybody else about this like you know what, I mean? what like and so I remember like I was talking to you about it and again, I went, like, every, every second was, like, a, a a change between me, like, understanding what the fuck was actually happening in my reality, and, like, in full, complete denial, because at that point, after they, because at first they were, like, before I called you, they, like, I remember people being, like, Amber, like, please, like, just calm down, like, it's okay, and I'm, like, guys, I just lost my best friend, like, Like, I'm never getting him back, like, I can't, I, I can't, fully pro like I can't process this yeah I'm not meant to Mm -hmm. like I just my whole entire being just broke yeah like everything I knew I just broke Mm -hmm. I'm not even human like I didn't feel like I was human anymore I just literally died Mm -hmm. you know and so like it felt like I left the fucking earth when he did Mm -hmm. you know and so for me I think you know and at that point they were like you know like it's probably a good idea that you go see him and at that point I was like freaking out because I'm like I don't understand what you're asking me to do so that's when I got you because I'm like "I I can't Because this is the thing, too, like when we finally went around to fucking seeing him, you know, again, it's like something I would never wish on my worst enemy, like, you know, because it's like only hours ago, like not even hours, I would say like even like a couple like only two weeks prior. We were at the drive in. Yeah. And like I envision that and then I'm walking to a room with my dad with band like with tape on his eyes. Yeah. And like, I'm sorry if that's triggering to anybody. Like it really I'm kind of fucking triggered right now. Yeah. But at the same time, like we always want to be real and that's like my biggest thing right now. Same with you, Christina. Like we owe it to ourselves to not like just silence like what we've been through. Yeah. And like to be our most authentic selves and sometimes that's fucking ugly and it's some of the worst moments or, of our lives but i can't just silence myself for the comfort of other, other people anymore. 100% not you know and so like i i gotta say like again that was just a fucking nightmare like walking into that you know like just seeing him there i can't even like put words to that and i again won't go into the details but it was just so fucked to me because like i was being told at 16 okay you really actually have to say goodbye to your dad yeah. when like only like days weeks like we were like laughing about life you mm-hmm. know and so for me i'm like i don't understand how it can go from that so to fucking, this like yeah and see like at that point i remember like chantal like she's like I don't want to leave, I don't want to leave, but I was in denial, like, where, like, I can't look at him anymore, like, I turned my back, and I was looking at the wall, and I was, like, guys, let's just go home, we're gonna clean up, we're gonna wash up, we'll eat some food, take a shower, like, and I literally thought, like, once I did that, I would hit, like, the reset button, and, Mm -hmm. like, you know, he would walk in, and so I can't even describe to you the feeling of, like, going there with, like, him and leaving there without him, like, forever, like, Yeah, it's a lot, you know? Like, you just feel like you're leaving him behind. Yeah. And it was really hard, but I was so in denial that I was, like, all I... I was so inclined to just, like, fucking run out of the hospital as fast as it can be. Because, again, now I'm just, like, acquainting this all to, like you know, how fucked up the medical system is, how they let us down, mm-hmm. the worst moment of my life happening in this area. I'm like, I wanted to just run. I want to fucking like, just yeah. go. Beeline
0: the fuck out of there.
1: You know, and I just, again, in my mind, I'm like, you know, the faster I run away from this and the faster I get home and, you know, home is comfortable and it's, you know, where dad always is. Like, I just, I literally thought I'd come home and he'd be there. Yeah. And like, for the weeks and months after, like, it was so weird because every time, every day, around like five or six, like when he'd come home, like, we, I would just kind of, like, wait for the door to open. Like, mm-hmm. I genuinely, like, I would be, like, on my, like, laptop, and I'd be like, oh, dad's come. And then I'd catch myself, and I'm like, oh, my fucking God. Yeah. Like, what the actual fuck? Like, how mm-hmm. do you go back to any bit of normalcy? So you don't?
0: No, you don't. People really don't understand, unless they've truly experienced it firsthand, like, the kind of grief that you experience in trauma and the stages of grief that you experience because it is not linear it is the same stage for a long portion of time then it's the last stage and then you literally you your body and your mind like the reaction like the physical reaction versus like your, the mental like logic and trying to actually comprehend like to this day your dad's been gone for how many years already uh this june will be eight eight years eight years and we still have no fucking idea what happened that day
1: no no,
0: like, it Like, seriously, like, And that's what the really fuck?
1: where it's, like, it's so hard because it's, like, when people talk about justice, I'm, like, it's hard for me because I'm, like, on a spiritual journey of, like, really making peace with myself. And a huge thing for me, again, it's really vulnerable to say, but, like, I held a lot of pain in myself and a lot of hatred for myself over the years because I, like, deeply regretted not spending more time with him. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I just didn't visit him as much as I should have. And I, again, I, because I thought I had...
0: More time. You know,
1: and I thought I had so many more moments of life with him, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's for me, over those months, like, thank God for you and Regan and some of my closest friends, because I'm like, I was fucking, like, just so, like, at that point, I was like, I I did get suicidal, because I was like, I don't, like, every day, I'm like, I'm literally so ill mm-hmm. with crying, and, like, I, I can't, I don't know how to function, like, mm-hmm. I'm just, like, lying in here, yeah. you know what I mean, and so, like, for me, it was just really hard, because I'm like, I don't see the point in this, this yeah. is, like, purgatory, like, this is actual, like, a mental asylum, like, yeah. I feel... Like, I just walked, I'm in hell. Yeah. And that truly was hell, you know, like, for me. And that's why I said in our past episode, I'm like, you know, like, I don't need to fucking wait until after I die to experience heaven or hell. Like, I I understand these concepts more than probably a lot of people, you know. It's like, I went through my hell and I, like, never want to go through that shit again, you know. And so, for me, like, that was a huge thing. And, like, you know, when you're 16 and you're still, you already have your own mental health issues, it's really hard to, like, put that on top of it. Yeah. And I think for me, it was just this concept of like death and like not even understanding like the fact that he was actually gone, mm-hmm. you know, cause there were still so many times where like, I just thought like he was going to come back, you yeah. know? And so for me, it's I, the I,
0: denial, I, right? It's so fucking hard to actually accept the reality of what your life is. And like, so what would you say, like, even after the fact of like that summer, cause he passed right before the summer hit. So like in that summer, like, like what What were your coping mechanisms at that point? To be honest, I didn't have any. Like I, that's the thing. Like this was way before this was high
1: school, so way before my social work program, way before any of the self development. Like the only outlet I ever had was like sports, Mm -hmm. and again, my dad was heavily tied in sports Mm -hmm. and thrifting. Again, that was me and my dad's thing. So like for me, it was really hard. I mean, it was therapeutic in the sense of like you know. Me and my mom, like, she really, like, took the reins there and, like, she supported me always and she always made it to the games no matter how hard. Because, again, it was so fucked up. I'd find myself on the ice having a fucking breakdown because yeah. I'm <laughs> I'm looking for him in the fucking crowd. Yeah. And, you know, so it's just one of those things. It's, it's weird. It's a weird process. And sometimes you have to still do the same shit that you once did, but they're not there. And mm-hmm. I think that was, like, the hardest thing. Yeah. Like, living life. And now, like, there's a piece, like, in everyday life and everyday moments that is missing. Mm -hmm. A huge, huge piece. Huge piece. You know? And so, like, for me, it was just weird, like, just, like, the fact that, like, you know, not to mention, I I think people, you know, unless they've experienced, like, this kind of loss, they don't really look at it, like, to all the little degrees, you know? We then had to pack up all his, like, clothes. Like, you know, I mean, not to mention, we didn't do this for months. We still have a lot of his stuff, but, like every day like you know we had his pillow we had like his you know slippers mm-hmm. and we had like
0: his everyday his like, laptop with shit. all his
1: games and like mm-hmm. all of these things right and like you know same with his cologne like i keep i have his cologne now and like it really like when i take a whiff of it it's like such a like throwback yeah. you know. um and like it was just so strange like his jackets would still smell like him like months later and like you know it's so it's very it's those little hard. moments it's very hard to like you know wrap your head around that stuff and again like we for for months on end we had like old workers reaching out to us and like mm-hmm. family members and not to mention the amount of like gift baskets and yeah. like fruit and you know and it's it's just hard it's really hard not to mention it's like there's that time period where like everybody's there and supporting but like once they're all gone it's like you don't have any more distractions yeah
0: you know and so like i think sometimes people because in life death is the only certain thing and i feel like You know, uh, when people are externally reaching out and and being there for your family in those moments, like, you know, they go back to their life afterwards. You can never relive your life with your dad in it again. Like, it's, this is now what your reality is. And I think sometimes, like, people forget that. And that's why I think at least, you know, in that time of your life, as fucked up as everything was at least you did have a good support group around you. And I think that was a huge make or break because I feel like, I just imagine somebody who would have had this kind of loss and didn't have good friends or like family around them.
1: I couldn't do it. I wouldn't have survived. Yeah, I would not have survived. Like, I gotta say like, that's the thing, like my support groups, like my my family and my friends, like they saved me. And, um, you know, honestly, like that's the thing, right? Like aside from the sports, which was like, again, very bittersweet that summer was also the summer when we really got into like partying Mm -hmm. and again it was a vice for me like because it it really there was times where I got so numb that I'm like I can't I, I, I almost like feel so agonizing. Like I, I, I just feel so much agony yeah. and I don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I've cried everything. I, every fucking last drop, like I can't cry anymore or mm-hmm. I'm going to just like have a fucking sp- migraine, Yeah. you know? And like, you just get so exhausted. Your eyes are killing you mm-hmm. and it's like, what else can I do? How do I get rid of this? Yeah. But I think that's what I've learned about grief. It's like, you know, it's the, the more you deny it, the more you like hate it you can't hate it out of you, you know, Mm. and you just sometimes as painful as it is, I mean, always you have to move through it. You have to. And no matter what that is for you, you just have to try and find a way. And like, for me, I think like, there was times when I again, I really am grateful for the fact that we had those nights where we just got like into a drunken mess. And we just like, you know, because those are nights that even if they ended up where I would like, end up like bawling my eyes out, Mm -hmm. because that was again, some like, bittersweet therapy. There was moments where I'm like, I just felt like me, mm-hmm. and I could laugh with you guys, and I didn't have to feel in pain. Yeah, I didn't, you know, it so distracted like,
0: you from your reality, and I
1: needed that so yeah. bad because I was like constantly like, just in my head questioning mm-hmm. where did it all go wrong, like what did it? Because I remember too, like, w- like months even before he even like had any real like issues, I remember him saying like, oh man, like my stomach, like he would come to the like living room and like rub his stomach, but that was kind of like his thing, like when he would be full, yeah, and. But I always think I'm, like, maybe it was, like, a little bit of pain. Mm-hmm. And then he would... I remember in his bedroom, too, like, vividly, he was, like, oh, yeah, like, my, my stomach kind of hurts tonight. And I'm, like, well, yeah, probably, like, you, you eat, like, crap. Yeah. <laughs> you don't eat the best, you know? But, mm-hmm. like, he wasn't the worst. Um, But still, I remember vividly saying, like, Dad, like... I mean, you never go to the doctors, like, it would probably help to, like, at least go check it out. Yeah. It's like, nah, nah, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. And I'm like, there's moments like that where you, like, think back and you just, like, psychoanalyze and you're like, well, fuck, why didn't I push him harder? So it's, you know, and it's very...
0: (sighs) It's hard to fall, it's, sorry, not hard, it's easy to fall into those mind traps because it's, well, what... What could I have done differently? What mm-hmm. But you didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. No one could fucking predict the future. And it's so hard to not live with regret and not to live with some form of guilt because you feel like, you know, you could have done something differently to save him. But at the end of the day, no one could have ever predicted what was going to happen to him. No. And
1: Definitely that is not. the
0: super unfortunate fucking reality of this entire situation to this day. Like,
1: yeah. I could never have predicted that my life would change like that, you know? And yeah. so i mean yeah like that's kind of like the gist of at least like the whole experience but i mean you know eight years down the line and like obviously like this stuff is still runs very very deep for me and like it always will i've kind of accepted that Mm -hmm. and i honestly like i don't think i'd have it any other way around because he was a crucial part of my life he was a huge catalyst for many things and like I continue to talk about him and make him a real thing because he cont- he should be honored for the man that he was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's like, it, I try to still make him a part of conversations and a part of everyday life because like, for me, when it comes to like, you know, my spirituality and stuff, like I do feel his presence and I still feel very connected with him. Mm-hmm. And that also has been a huge catalyst to my own like awakening and my own understanding with myself and my ego. And like a lot of the work that I had to do in over in, in order to not get um, too tied up with the grief, like, yeah. in order to not, like, let it kill me, yeah. you know, because that's really what it comes down to. Like, I'm the type of person that can allow energy to really affect me. And, again, um, I was that person because I, again, developed so many issues out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, you asked for coping mes- uh, mechanisms and at first it wasn't healthy. It was toxic relationships to get distracted. Mm-hmm. It was self-sabotaging behaviors. It was, um, you know, e- an eating disorder. So, you know, I lacked control with my dad. So the one way I found it was through my food yeah. and through what I consumed. And, you know, I just like, I didn't care to eat. And I like, I just wanted control over every little bit in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and again another thing was the 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 smoking and the drinking mm-hmm. um, and another huge thing was and one of the biggest things was celiac mm-hmm. and I've said this in our previous podcast where um, again like celiac it's an autoimmune disease with the small intestine and um, has to do with the damage that's done and I really do genuinely believe and know in my heart that I unfortunately manifested that Disease because I held so much trauma in my body and I held so much trauma in my gut. Mm -hmm. Um, I transmuted like what my dad went through and I put it in myself and it's a hard pill to swallow, you know, because now I'm still like reaping the consequences of all the damage I've done on my body Mm -hmm. and like not loving myself and not caring for myself Mm -hmm. because again, I got to points and like, I know you can relate to this too. We were at points where we didn't give a fuck if we lived or died. And (laughs) it's hard to say those words out loud, but it's very true. And like, when you get to that point of, like, recklessness, like, you are willing to do anything. To feel something. Yeah, even if it comes at the sacrifice of your health. Yeah. And so, for me, like, that's definitely where I ran into a lot of health issues, but, you know, I'm definitely on the, like, I'm on a huge healing path now, and, like, that's the bittersweet thing about, like, going through, like, hell and back, Mm -hmm. you know, and I've, I've gone through many different experiences, but they've all shaped who I am, and so, like, on that note, yeah, I mean, (laughs)
0: this it's it's a very intense it's intense and it's fucking overwhelming and like again i think that at the end of the day a lot of people i feel like have experienced big losses in their life and have a hard time finding coping mechanisms and outlets to redirect their anger and their grief and to really find ways to health like find a healthy way to cope with shit because Mm -hmm. i feel like the way that we've lived our life and the the trauma that you experienced with your dad and how fucked up I was and how the traumas that I experienced and went through and the combination of literally being there on the day that your dad died. Like, I I think, I don't know. It's interesting that we're even talking about it because I think a lot of people that, you know, we've known in our life and maybe even went to high school with and Mm -hmm. people who are listening to this podcast that have reached out to us, It's just interesting because I think this is giving people a different perspective on who we are. And I think especially Mm -hmm. with the online personas that we put out into the world, like people just make assumptions and judgments. Oh, yeah. But you know what? It's easy. And I think like you putting this out there, someone out there is going to hear this and like actually appreciate what you're saying because not a lot of people have the balls to sit there and really talk about the biggest losses of their life. And so you need to take that and say, you know what? Like good for me because... Mm -hmm. It's a really fucking hard thing to do. And, like, we've spent literally the last eight years of our lives psychoanalyzing the fuck out of this entire situation. Oh, my
1: gosh. I know.
0: And, like, how it's affected literally every aspect of life. And that's
1: the thing, right? Like, it's... I've learned that everything is interconnected. And I think that's the thing, too. Like, I still... Like, I will always have that close relationship with my my dad. And I say it in, like, present terms because I do feel his presence. Mm -hmm. And, like, like I've gotten deep into the spiritual journey. And, like, I've had so many, like, crazy encounters with spirit and mm-hmm. a lot of the times it was like really really major signs from my dad yeah. whether like visiting him um uh like at the like at his grave or like just just <laughs> encounters that you, you like the human brain can't truly wrap around yeah, unless yeah. they can think outside the box mm-hmm. and so it's like i think that's been my saving grace because it's like i'm now on this other side of you know now that i found like A deeper understanding of like myself and consciousness and life in in general that really was like my saving grace because Mm -hmm. had i not found that had i not stumbled on that like i would be absolutely lost yeah you know like if you don't have that to ground yourself like what do you really have
0: and And, i also think too like even with your journey of health like you said how you've pretty much manifested like the health issues that you have today i think yeah that's true but at the same time you've been put in a position due to your experience with your dad that is pushing you to literally pretty much fight for your life at this point mm-hmm. and find out what's going to help you in your house because there's so many fucking complications at this point. And, but I think at the end of the day, you've now been put in this position to educate other people and to help other people out there who can't figure out what the fuck is wrong with them mm-hmm. because a lot of the times in your situation specifically it's a big question game of figuring out well okay if i eat this and how is it going to counteract with this and mm-hmm. literally just fucking so many things that go into it so i think like obviously you have to find the reason for living at this point and for you i think it's you know poetry it's your health journey it's mm-hmm. all of these things that make you who you are and it all plays into who your dad was as well and i think probably from your dad's perspective as he's like watching you now and seeing where you're at I think it's more him trying to tell you you now saw what I went through and you're going through kind of something fucked up as well mm-hmm. but this is your opportunity to do more than what I could have done for myself
1: I couldn't have said it better like I truly could not have said it better and that's exactly it like obviously in in future podcasts we'll get into both of our like our health mm-hmm. experiences and and like issues around that is yeah. it again <laughs> everything is so interconnected But that's really what it comes down to and that's why i even have like the word bittersweet tattooed on my body because Mm -hmm. i'm like i don't i resonate like with nothing else more than that because like when we
0: say the last song we would listen to before we die is bittersweet symphony we're not just saying it because like we like the song no like you know it runs so fucking deep so
1: deep and like that's where like again it's you know i've really gone through hell and back a couple times and like (sighs) i wouldn't be who i am today without it and like just knowing all the things i know now it's just like I have found a lot more peace in that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I remember thinking early on, I'm never going to find any sort of peace. Like, I'm literally going to just end up in the fucking psych ward because I'm like, there's no way I can wrap my head around it. Yeah. And I'll admit, like, I still haven't really wrapped my head around it. Mm-hmm. But I think I've made peace with that. Yeah. And I've just made peace with the fact that, like, I had to forgive myself for the times that I didn't spend that enough like holy time with him and Mm. i had to forgive myself i was a 16 year old kid who didn't know what the fuck was gonna happen to her
0: yeah
1: and to her like her best friend and Mm. you know it's like i think um i'm the type of person to really like really like just destroy myself over something you know and Mm -hmm. i did that for many years and like i think i can still get habitually like like that and i've just like it really comes down to i have to love myself enough to like like allow these things to just like take their place and like move forward because otherwise like i would not be able to heal from this Mm -hmm. and that's really what my the like after he passed away i didn't know it but at that very moment that's when my healing journey began and for those first like three years the healing journey looked like fucking hell Mm -hmm. it was hell Like, and I think people always just paint healing as like, you know, it's, but it's, it's the, it's a more better side. No, healing is also going through those really fucked up moments. It's like the fucking war zone. Mm -hmm. I would have nights with you guys where we drink and every single night I would just crash and burn at the end and I would just lose my shit and be in agony. And I can't regret those nights because those were also the moments where I just let it all out Mm -hmm. and I needed to. There was so much suffering in me and like my ego and my my soul and my soul my soul was suffering yeah and like I just yeah I I needed it you know and so like I don't look back you know on shame with regards to that and I think even just like you were saying regarding you know the eating disorder regarding like celiac it's like you know I don't I think at some point I did blame myself for that but I, I like given a lot of like the inner work I realized that like it it makes me sad because i can see how in, like injured of a child i was mm-hmm. and there are so many things that play there where it's like again like i just lack control mm-hmm. as i said in one of our previous episodes where like when my dad was dying in front of me i just looked beyond him and i'm like at the white wall and i'm like there's really nothing i can do in this moment mm-hmm. like i am absolutely hopeless i have no control and it is the most terrifying the most fucked up the most intense feeling of my life and i literally want to run away from it yeah and I think that's now where I'm at, where it's, like, all of these things have come into uh, my life now, where it's, like, it can still be triggering for me when something happens that's, like, way out of my control. Yeah. Um. You know, whether in relationships or just, like, life in general. And, you know, I think I got really fearful of the fact that, like, I, I thought, like, somebody else was going to die. Like, mm-hmm. I was so scared. Mm-hmm. And, like, I just learned, I'm like, you know what, life is so unpredictable. But I'm like, I can't live in fear anymore. Mm-hmm. I have to actually live again. And And, he wouldn't want you to live
0: in fear, you know?
1: No, and I know that, too. Like, I know for a fact, he, like, all those times that I cried, too, he's, like, the type to be like, Amber, like, okay, you cried enough. Like, stop your crying, you know? And, like, it's just one of those things where, you know, I always say, in order to actually, like, get over it, you have to move through it. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we always want to deny, 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 and we don't want to go through it because we think it's going to be more painful. But, like, you don't want to deal with the pain. Yeah, and nothing's more painful than denying yourself the grief that you really need to, to grieve, feel, you know, yeah. and to really feel. And like, that is the prime example of trauma in the body, AKA autoimmunity and disease. Celiac again is a huge contributor. And honestly, most diseases, like mm-hmm. it can be very much stress induced yeah. by the body when you're in a fight or flight flight response mode. Mm-hmm. And I like, that's the thing. I was so in this mode of not feeling and being so disconnected and disassociated because I, I couldn't, d- d- like, deal with reality that, again, this negative energy, this, it had its hold on me. Yeah. And it truly manifested into a physical issue. And so, yeah, like you were saying, that's kind of where I'm at now where, you know, I've, I'm on this healing journey of, like, healing my mind, body, and spirit. And, like, I'm now, you know, getting my, like, diploma for becoming a certified holistic nutritionist. And, you know, I really, Want to help people through that journey of Mm -hmm. you know the mental and the physical and like really helping them with their health because I'm like Mm I genuinely want to transmute everything I went through and really into healing somebody else and preventing them from going through something like that, which
0: is such a huge thing because at the end of the day, like people really need to understand that when we put our bodies in that flight or fight mode and we're fighting what we need to feel, it literally transcends into physical illness. Mm -hmm. Like there's literally studies done on it that proves that it it can happen Mm -hmm. and it's like so hard to like comprehend sometimes and like literally like I just look at it's almost like irony because it's you seeing what your dad experienced and dealing with the aftermath of all of it and going through your life at this point now and also now physically having like serious issues and that you Mm -hmm. need to literally sort through because it it's a matter of life and death for you and that's a huge fucking deal it's a lot of pressure and stress and I think at the end of the day, you need to be proud of yourself because a lot of people would have just given up. It's a lot easier to. And I know at many points you are ready to do that. I'm really glad that you didn't because that would be really sad. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like at the end of the day, like, this is why it's super important that you allow yourself to like talk about your experience and be open about it. And I think a lot of people, you know, have a hard time opening up about this kind of shit because it's not fucking easy to talk about. Like trauma, like runs so fucking deep. It, it affects every relationship in your life. It, re- it re- It's a huge reflection mm-hmm. of where you're at. When you look in the mirror, you're like, who am I? And you literally just see the grief and you just feel like such a fucking broken person. And, and the only person that can put it back together is you. And mm-hmm. you've had to literally learn for years and trial and error and trying different things and going through you know the ups and downs and of all of it the emotional the physical and all of it it. there's so much that plays into it all and that's why i feel like well even speaking on religion like we lost our religion after your Mm -hmm. dad died and i feel like we finally because we found spirituality it's been a very grounding experience because once we have that validation that we are like spiritual beings and in tune with spirit it gives us a sense of validation it gives us a sense of comfort knowing that we can feel that energy and he's still here just not physically but mm-hmm. we can feel that that alignment with him and like you know you've seen the signs and i've connected with him and like we've had those experiences so it is very validating to know that and so i mean that's the thing like healing is not linear grief is not linear mm-hmm. none of it is it's so fucking hard
1: and and no you 100% with everything you said and i think that's the thing though like grief really isn't linear because some years I'll have good years and some years i won't and yeah. like or some months like you know and even it was actually even, like, last last June. Mm-hmm. Like, that's when we actually uh, went to, like, Mons, right?
0: Yeah. Oh, my
1: God. It's crazy. It feels like a whole, like, five years ago. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, like, it just so happened to really hit me hard last June. Yeah. And, like, really wrecked me. And, like, I pretty much had to take a break from work for, like quite a few days Mm -hmm. I'm like I genuinely cannot like get out yeah I can't get out of my bed like I'm like seriously just really in it right now Mm -hmm. and I'm like really going through the trauma and it's just really the grief is really sucking me like sucking the life out of me yeah 100% you know and I I'm just at the point where like I used to like really like shy away and I didn't want to talk about it and I I just almost felt like It's so vulnerable that, like, I don't want people to see me as a victim. I don't want them to see me as, like, this, like, just depressed, sad person. And, like, I just really hated, like, all these, like, connotations around it. So I just didn't say anything. Or I just always hated the fact that, like, you know, people wouldn't know what to say. Or they felt uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And, like, all of these things that it just kind of, like, kept everything inside. Mm -hmm. And I'm just at the point now where I'm, like okay if i have to take a mental health leave from work i'm not gonna apologize for it no nope. because no one knows what the fuck i've been through mm-hmm. no one ever knows what anybody has gone through so it's exactly. like i'm not gonna justify myself especially like in a in a position where it's not my career mm-hmm. and it's just like they can you know they can find somebody else like in the flip of a switch you yeah know? so i that's definitely you have to one prioritize thing.
0: yourself and your mental health at the end of the day
1: yeah yeah and i just got at the point where i'm like you know what I want to keep this real. I'm a real person. I'm going to try and be my most authentic self. And my most authentic self is also a very, like, real-ass, like, emotional woman Mm -hmm. who has gone through a lot of shit, and she still carries that. And, like, you know, so it's going to come up. And I think that's the thing, too, where it it does play a role in relationships because I think in past relationships, I didn't know how to, like, show, like, deal with my grief in front of them Mm -hmm. I really tried to hide it because I felt like almost embarrassed to kind of show that very like sad like grief yeah like and the reality of how you were feeling like very very raw and it was Mm -hmm. really hard for me to show those kind of emotions and so it was really like a disconnect for me because I'm like I can't show like this major like tragedy that I'm still like playing out yeah and it was really hard so I'm at the point now I'm like yeah like that's a huge thing with like a partner like Mm -hmm. that they're open to have those opening sorry open to having those conversations yeah and like that i feel safe that i can like grieve in front of them Mm -hmm. that's really what it comes down to yeah like i'm gonna be experiencing this like a some form of grief the rest of my life
0: and someone whoever that person is that you end up with needs to be conscious enough to understand what that means for you and be present in those moments that with you. a lot of you. it does
1: go back to my dad. Yeah. And, but again, the biggest shift that I had in the most recent years was again, the narrative I had around it because mm-hmm. I really much like, yeah, I will always be so connected to my dad in that experience, but I was almost so heavily identified with it that it actually like, Completely tainted my understanding of my identity. Yeah, it literally
0: overtook your identity. Yeah. Because, well, I can let me ju- like literally. I'm not saying in a negative way, but the behaviors that happened after your dad passed, and the self-sabotaging, and the drinking, and all of that that played into it. Literally, when you live in that victim mindset, which it's not a victim, you experience one of the biggest losses of your life. But when you're living in that fucking pain, that agony, that sadness, it's literally like, okay, well, let me get shit-faced and get fucked, and it's because my dad died and I hate my life. Yeah. And I feel like you got to a point where that was definitely necessary you needed that you needed that for a certain portion of your life but then you realize at a certain point you're like okay well i, I keep doing this and it's not helping anymore
1: and that's yeah exactly,
0: exactly and then that's when you shift your narrative and you say you know what like i need to try something different for myself yeah. and you did and I, at the end of the day again healing with this in grief for the rest of your life you're going to feel that and it's going to be to sometimes a very large extent sometimes not so much but It's one of those things that, I mean, I feel like once you really experienced it and went through it, that's how you understand it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, fuck, like death is such a complicated thing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, again, you need to give yourself a pat on the back because I've literally witnessed people. I appreciate that. I've witnessed people literally experienced like the loss of like a parent and they've completely blocked out all sense of communication. They don't talk about it. They live their life pretending like it never happened. Mm -hmm. And I've literally witnessed those people turn into very not so great versions of themselves, mm-hmm. and accept that as their reality, and never done anything about mm-hmm. it to change it for the better and that's one thing that you've done, so that's a huge thing, and like you just need to remind yourself of those those wins because those are wins mm-hmm. for you, and it's never going to bring him back, but at the end of the day, you are going to benefit so many people by telling your story mm-hmm. and doing the best that you can to help improve other people's health as well as your own. So,
1: no, that means so much, and like that's really what it came down to because in like obviously, I yeah, there was definitely times where I was really in it, and like just really like the darker version of myself, yeah, and like granted, yeah, I to be honest, I couldn't give a damn, mm-hmm. but. Like once you kind of like start moving towards having that kind of little bit of light, you know, I always yeah. knew I'm like even in the worst moments, I'm like, there's got to be something bigger here. Mm-hmm. I can't just like suffer my entire life and like not have any any understanding, any peace. I'm like, there's got to be something. There has to be a meaning that's to thing all thing of One thing I this. always did believe, you know, I'm like, for me to go through such a tragedy, there has to be some sort of like silver lining, mm-hmm. and I think that was like the one little ounce of like hope that I had, yeah. and that's really what it came down to. I was just like, you know what, like. I gotta keep fighting mm-hmm. and you know at that point that's when i was just like you know what i did have i i still have slip-ups like i think we're all human like we still like you know the ego is a very strong thing and we're always gonna have an ego but yeah. it just gets to the point where i knew you know when i'm not acting in my highest self i'm also not doing him justice either mm-hmm. and i always think back you know like i really really want to make him proud and like you know he he was very big on that like mm-hmm. you know he always wanted me to do good for myself he never wanted me to settle he he always wanted me to like you know stand up for what the fuck i believe in all of these really major things that he instilled in me yeah and to this day and especially in the last coming years i do feel like i'm i'm owning that mm-hmm. and that's really for me i think if there is a peace to be had if there is a justice to be had that would be it mm-hmm. you know owning um, and living up to what he always wanted for me. Yeah, you know. And so I guess like I just I want to end on that positive note because it's like, oh man, like this was all admit like this podcast this episode was honestly the hardest one we've made mm-hmm. and like I even had some bodily responses you know and like I fucking shaking at times and you know we had to take some pauses and it's it's really fucking hard and like I will never ever ever be the type of woman to put on a face just to make other people comfortable mm-hmm. um, it's such an injustice to anybody uh, like who does that right so I think you know we're just at points in our lives where we're, we are we want to be unapologetically ourselves yeah. and anything less just won't fucking do 100% you know and again I still feel like I'm living up to my dad's words because he just always told me never settle and be yourself and, and like, that's you what know? you stuck
0: true to and that's really important because it's super easy to fall back into those those traps and those mind traps and I feel like you're mm-hmm. doing the best you can to, like, serve him proud, and you are. And that's something that, you know, you need to remember because it's hard. Like, all of it's just fucking hard. Like, life mm-hmm. is really fucking hard.
1: Yeah, like, fucking life hard. after grief,
0: like, life after yeah. death, like, dealing with that is something that, like, I I don't know. After this experience <laughs> and being there with you and, like, literally being there at the hospital that day one of the most life changing experiences like nothing ever really had. ever
1: phases you after
0: that that's why like people i mean i have to say even like covid like i understand obviously it's a serious fucking like disease and like it's fucked up but like i'm sorry like i just after s- experiencing such fucked up shit in your life mm-hmm. it's so hard to even understand the reality of what's happening right now and i honestly mm-hmm. don't even have the energy to care anymore because no, i'm literally I know. just mentally tapped the fuck out
1: no i know it's like when you go through something like that when you when you go through that kind of like trauma and like that kind of heart wrenching stuff it's like it's really hard to like bring yourself to the level of like some of these people out there. Yeah. Like, especially with the fear, it's like, come on guys live in reality. Like there's just, there's so many bigger things. And I think, you know, it actually relates so well to this because people are so disconnected even from their family and the people that they love. Mm -hmm. And these poor old fucking people are living alone because their families are terrified of seeing them. Yeah. It's really sad. And It's like, is that how you want them to live their last moments too? Like, it's super overwhelming. it's It's really, you know, and that's where it's like at the end of the day, I, if my dad was here, he'd know what what the fuck is up with this bullshit. And regardless of that conversation, I just, like, do not take a fucking moment for granted with mm-hmm. the people in your life that you love and you care about. Tell them that you love them. Like, Seriously. you never know. And, and again, like, you n- really never know when the last moment is the last moment. And mm-hmm. like, God, I fucking wish I did in a mm-hmm. way because I would have fucking done anything, everything different. Mm-hmm. But that's life. And we never know what the fuck is going to come around the next... like the next block, right? Literally, we could die
0: tomorrow. We have no idea what's going to happen. And that's why I think living in regret is the last thing we should be doing Mm -hmm. from after that point going forward from since your dad has passed we've learned so much and with our friendships with ourselves as people with dealing with fucking mm-hmm. like the hardest things ever like we've really done a lot of work and i think we've kind of really come to terms with the fact that connection is the most important thing it's and huge. super grateful that we have the connection that we have because literally would not be alive today yeah. if it wasn't for our friendship i'm and so grateful for me that. too like, so i think honestly like your dad would be super proud i'm glad we got to talk about him today because no, i think I'm it's really super glad. important this
1: this was like huge
0: yeah this is really huge so on that note, I hope you guys, you know, I mean, not, I'm not going to say enjoyed it, but <laughs>
1: like. here we are laughing at pain again. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like, you know. I
0: just hope that, you know, someone out there can like hopefully find some comfort in the words of someone else's experience. Yeah. And I think that's the most important thing. That's
1: all we ever wish. And like, at the end of the day, like, I hope you guys could bear with me. It's just one of those experiences uh, that will, you know, anytime I say it, it's never, it still feels new, you know? Yeah. And, um, like, that's, that's just something I went through and that's an experience, but it forever changed my life. And like, it really just sheds so much light, um, for me. And it's just, it's a life changing thing. And, you know, when you go through hard times, whether it's, you know, again, like death or just like grief or the loss of somebody you care about, like, it does change you mm-hmm. but you don't have to let it destroy you exactly and you know allow yourself that grieving period allow yourself to really fucking move through your, your emotions mm-hmm. and you're human you gotta fucking go through it yeah but just you can't let it devour you and like there is a silver lining
0: 100 percent. and on that note i love you i love you too <laughs> let's go <laughs> cry and be emo <laughs> um and thank you guys for yeah, listening thank you so much and we'll like see you next time bye